Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Learning about love. Then the other small talk thing as we get started this morning is I usually get grumpy about February. And around the middle of February, it's just like, it's uh, one of my favorite films has a saying in it where it's complaining about February. It says, uh, no longer winter and not yet spring. And I really like that line because it sort of describes February. So emotionally, I'm not very fond of February, yet God has found a place to use that time of the year, this time of the year, to interact with me. And I've had, uh, I would say, probably the vast majority of my profound encounters with God happened in February. That's just really strange. I got, I got saved on February 15th, 1974. And uh, it, was, it was a profound change in my life. I did not know I was going to be... Re- if you told me on February... February February twelfth or thirteenth that you're you're going to get uh, you're going to have an encounter with God I would have laughed and your life's going to change and I would have said I don't think so and I liked all the bad things I was doing unfortunately and uh, I didn't like all the bad things that were happening to me but God rescued me and then I found that throughout my life my deepest encounters including my encounters with God's love. Uh, happened at this time of the year. Deep transitions in my life when I changed uh, work and when I changed locations and often when I had uh, very deep spiritual encounters and uh, I've occasionally shared them uh, through the years and uh, not so much from the pulpit but just more in small group settings and stuff. Um, one of the things, I don't know right or wrong, but one of the things I was led uh, through by the Lord as I studied leadership was how many churches that I knew of, in, in as far as like in the charismatic movement or the spirit-filled movement, how many of them were built around some man's vision that he got from God, that it was a one, here, here's what I heard from the Lord, now come help me build it, sort of a thing. And that's how they used it as a momentum for the church and stuff. I just never felt comfortable. I don't know why. I don't think it was wrong that they did that. I never felt released from God to do that. And I would tell you, I've had such profound encounters with God over and over and over again. And where uh, I am so grateful for each one of them in watching The Chosen last last night and seeing Jesus interact with people did it happen exactly that way no it's a narrative it's a story we don't know how it exactly happened but we know that it happened and I like the way this guy portrayed it I like the way he portrays Jesus in it and I like uh, the way he reveals culture and that kind of stuff and I just went man so much of the way he's doing is that those were my encounters with God but of all of those things, it's his love that changed me the most. And we've been talking a lot about that. I hope it's the love of God that's changed you the most. Because it is the one thing that he promises will change us. 
will grow us, will develop us, will move in our lives. And uh, even in the book of Acts where it says, in him we live and move and have our being, that's, that's out of uh, Paul preaching to the Athenians about God's love, the gospel. The gospel is about God's love. I got saved because God loved me. So did you. That's a wonderful thing. Through the years, uh, something I've noticed, and we've been speaking about, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, and then I'm going to have Brenda come up and share stuff. But through the years, one of the things that's been wonderful for me is to be uh, married to someone who had similar experiences, both the bad stuff in life and then the good stuff, the God stuff, had encounters with God. And that we both... um, I feel very blessed because I know it doesn't always go that way and there's no guarantee, but for Brenda and I to be in unity around the Lord was has been a phenomenal gift from God. And uh, I mean, you, you got, y'all would laugh if you saw us in the mornings throughout the week because we, we get up and, you know, like, morning, you know, it's that kind of, it starts out a little, a little gravelly and a little rough, and you're trying to wake up, and after two cups of coffee, we're preaching to each other. <laughs> and it just goes from there. And uh, I've heard some of the best sermons in my life sitting in my family room at uh, 7.30 in the morning, and uh, you think we'd get saved all over again. There's just such... Uh, we usually do. Uh, but we just have had a a way of being able to communicate that with each other. And then we'll start laughing and say, well, I'm preaching at the choir. And uh, we say those things, but we don't ever stop doing it. It's very encouraging. It's very, it's very, I will tell you this, one of the most precious things in my life. And uh, I don't know which one of us will go first, you know, and uh, that, that doesn't, I don't know if that matters or not, but I hope it's not long in between looking at eternity and looking at those things. And boy, you're talking morbid this morning. No, it's not wrong to talk about those things. You know, we're going to go be, you're going to go be with the Lord one of these days. That's glorious. It's one thing to have spiritual encounters. It's another thing to see him face to face. So listen to this again. This is from the King James this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Boy, isn't that a sentence? Three words. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, the greatest of these is love. We know in part, we understand in part. Even our spiritual experiences, they come to us in part. I've had spiritual experiences where the whole thing played out and it all happened, everything that was supposed to. I've had some of them, it played out, but not the way I thought it should. Not the way I wanted it to happen. And the profound experiences I had and even the prophetic stuff that I got through the years, some of it didn't follow all the way through like I thought it was going to, but it did follow through and God was there. He's in all of it. He's in the part and he's in the whole. From what I've seen in my own life and the life of others, we often do this. We believe in part. I, I believe God, yet there's that little, mm. I trust in part. I trust the Lord with everything. And then something happens. I even continue going forward in my faith walk, probably like you do, going, uh, um, my aspirations are 100%. My aspirational goals, I will, and I'm going to do this for you, Lord, and I'm going to start doing that in my life, and then it's February. It's <laughs> no longer winter and not yet spring. So I continue in part, and God doesn't wig God out at all. He continues in full. He loves me well. Love never fails. Even when I stumble through life, uh, bumble and sometimes mumble uh, through life, uh, not sure exactly what to see or do, uh, and God's love comes shining in. It's always been God's love that was the most directive to my heart. will be to yours, too. It is to yours. When, if you sat down and wrote down all your testimonies, the thing that you would find that directed them was love. So Brenda does something that I aspire to. Brenda keeps a journal, uh, a spiritual life journal about her life, and she does it uh, very, not systemic, like, like, and not rigid, like legally, but when she gets stuff from the Lord, she writes about it. And uh, I'm the recipient most of the time because she'll go, can I read you this? And it's some of the most profound stuff I've ever heard. Uh, not because it was Brenda, because it was God. And so it sticks with me all week. And that happened this week. And so what I would like to do, because I love you, is to share 
uh, and you know, this is always hard for somebody, but sharing intimate stuff that God gives to your heart, to give it publicly is always kind of like a, uh, you know, it's like it's an artist painting a painting in front of everybody. Why'd you put that there? You know, there's that. You always wonder if somebody's going to do that and everything. But I asked her to share and just read to you what she read to me twice, actually, now. And so would you come up and just read or share or preach? He's right about that. It is such a gift that we have each other for an audience and we reflect almost at the same time on different things that have, that have happened. I do remember years ago when I would read 1 Corinthians 13, it felt like an indictment. It was what I couldn't do very good. And it was always the sharpest indictment because it, it lays some pretty strong, if you don't have this, you're pretty much worthless to the kingdom of God. And I felt like I failed a lot. And people fail, they fail us, don't they? How many of us, we are hurt the, the most deeply by people, the very ones we're supposed to love. I mean, who of us has not had relational kickback and pain some of the worst in our lives, it comes from other people, and often the ones we love the very most. And then we realize that we react. And what we react with is not love. And then we get the indictment. Boy, you are a failure. <laughs> you can't do that. So anyway, in January, I wrote this in January, and I was thinking about some relational things that had happened to me over the course of time and some that were fairly recent. And I will pick up at the part where it's not about that, but, but other than that. So I had, I had had a dream. And often in my dreams, a vehicle will be a, a symbolic of my life. If I, have, if I dream about boats, it's about ministry. If I dream about vehicles and I'm in the vehicle, it's my life. So anyway, I had an intense dream last night before I woke up. And in it, I was driving a car on a curved road and Lloyd and someone else were in the back seat. That's usually the Holy Spirit. I was just pleasantly driving and suddenly, something of great emotional pain rose up in me like a huge bubble. It was so profound, it powerful, it felt like it was going to smash through my solar plexus. It was rising up fast and intense, and it was about how broken every one of us is and how hurt we all are. It was so intense, I cried out. I almost screamed and said, I have to pull over. And I did. And then the scene changed, and I was sitting and talking with Lloyd and someone else and spilling my pain about how sin has so damaged us all and that there is no one who isn't horribly broken or has been in one way or another, and no one escapes the damage of sin. It inflicts damage on everyone on earth. 
We all have broken or wounded areas, and that, and that all that iniquity has been laid on Jesus. All of sin has been laid on him. And I woke up thinking about Isaiah 53, 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. And then I thought of the gloriousness of Romans 8, 28 through 39. All things are worked together for good to those who love God, to us who God foreknew and called for his own purposes. He called us. He called us and is conforming us to the image of Jesus. So that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren, among many siblings. What a status we've been given. God planned this himself. He won't withhold anything of his design for us. He freely gives us all things. And why? Because he loves us. And absolutely nothing can separate us from his love. Purity, purely and simply, a gift like no other. And once we receive his gift, no sin we commit or brokenness we bear can alter our status. He glorifies us. We are the offspring of God. I was flooded with thankfulness. It seemed suddenly that no one's brokenness carried any weight. Yes, we're on earth now, and all things work together for good. We won't be indelibly stained by sin's marks. It's temporary. It's all, it all perplexes and hurts us here temporarily. But it won't always. Then, as I was meditating on this, I felt led to 1 Corinthians 13. All my childhood, I was told if I could love well enough, I could overcome my dad told by my mom, who failed miserably, <laughs> to show me how to do just that. I used to get so mad at mom because her behavior so irritated me and ruined any shot at friendship between us. I was easily irritated. She preached and demanded a lot. I was leadership, so so much more was required and expected of me. I did not patiently bear her. I put up with her. I tried to please her on my terms and was furious when she wasn't pleased or complying with my terms. She wasn't an easy person. Neither was I. Neither of us enjoyed love from each other. I had broken areas. So did she. And we both had blame to pass around. But during her final years, I was gloriously given the revelation of the grace of God it revolutionized my life. Mom could never receive it. She was too afraid, too entrenched in religion and guilt and obligation. She finally died, afraid she hadn't done enough for God. But I've continued to grow in my ability to receive God's love and acceptance and grace. I realized as I read 1 Corinthians 13 that love is a gift. I didn't really think about that 
earlier. I thought it was, a, like I said, it was an injunction to do something. It was a verb for me. Love is a gift, much as any other spiritual gift, like prophecy or tongues or faith. I can't manufacture those. They're a gift from God to us. Faith, hope, and love, they're all gifts. If I don't have love, it's because I haven't received it. I can't possibly love unless I've received, lived in, believed, and become securely at home with the love that God has for me first. Ten years ago, I asked God if it was legal for me to wallow in his love and be obsessed with his love for me. He went to great lengths to show me a resounding, yes, live in it, child, wallow in it, be covered head to foot in love. And it's been the best 10 years in God I've ever had. It quit being an indictment against me. It quit being an injunction to do something, and it became a place I lived in, completely swallowed up in his love, and he liked the fact that I was obsessed with the fact that he loved me. I'm new, 100% righteous. In fact, I'm the righteousness of God himself, his beloved daughter. I have and am learning to live loved. It's changed everything. So 2 Corinthians goes on to describe how love looks, how Jesus and the Father look in their actions toward me and others. And if I do everything from speak eloquently about God to giving everything to the poor and even die as a martyr for the faith, and I haven't received God's love for me, let it go down deeply into my inner self and realize all I am and have is a result of his love for me personally and own it, then anything I do for God is just a religious form I've tried to prop up. It's of no value to me. And it's of no value to God. Nothing I produce on my own is of any value. I am his workmanship, his poem, his love song. His love gives me value and life. It cannot fail to do so. I cannot separate my life in God from his love for me. Anything I've done of, as done of value is a result of my recognizing he loves me. He made me righteous and he does his own pre-planned work through me when I cooperate with his plans. The rest is superfluous for all of us. The brokenness, the striving, the perplexity, we see through a mirror dimly. We do recognize the image of our father looking back. <laughs> there is a family resemblance. And yes, I do see those characteristics of love in myself at times. But also, the corrosion of sin in my world can make the image appear spotty and dim in places. The time is coming when I shall know just as I am known. 
For now, I abide in the magnificent gifts God gives to me, constantly available, endlessly abundant. I no longer condemn myself for not being able to work up the attributes of love I want, but receiving the love from God as it recreates me. The fruit of that union with God will be produced not by striving, but by receiving. It all works together for good. Thank you. So, how often are we going to preach about love? All the time. You know? Uh, Twelve years ago, I, st- I stood here and I said, I'm going to go out a grace man. Well, grace is God's love stooping down to us, Paul Ellis says. And that's what I believe. So, this is what I know. Continue in the love of God. Continue to learn about it. But you can't really learn about it unless you tell him, I receive your love. If you're struggling with it, say it a hundred times a day. Yes. It's just, it's receiving it. It's a gift. The love of God is a gift to us. That's why it's a, isn't it strange that we always say, well, it's sandwiched between the two chapters in 1 Corinthians about gifts, which is 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. No, it's part of it. It's not sandwiched between anything. Faith, hope, and love is a gift from God, each of them. So how do I receive the love of God? By faith. So that your hope is increased in the fact of how much God loves you. They work, he says these three remain. They work in tandem. Every time, whether it's a relational struggle or the stain of sins, so the stain you see on somebody else's cheek, or the stain when you go look in the mirror and go, I thought that was gone. And you just struggle again. Tell God, talk to him about it. Receive his love again. Uh, it's, it's so strange that we are taught in Christianity to receive salvation and then start working on yourself. He never said that. He never intended that. We're to go forward the same way we started. John Wimber said it years ago. The way on is the way in. As we come into the kingdom, the way to continue on is in faith, hope, and love. So I want to pray for us this morning. But listen, I can say the words, but you need to say the words. It's hard to do in a public setting, but sometime this week, practice it. Just just say to God, I receive your love again. I don't always, you won't always feel something. The statement is a faith statement. I receive your love for me. Don't pray for other people. Pray for you. Pray for that. And tell the Lord you don't, you want to look at yourself the way he looks at you. Because he sees no stain on your life, beloved. It's gone. It's forever removed. That thing which you still carry about that can push that awful button of shame. 
is gone. The button can still be there. The, the ability for us to push the shame button is still there. But the thing that causes shame is gone. It's gone. It's gone. You will not be loved any more the day you stand before the Lord than you are right now in this moment of time. Completely loved. Let's pray. Lord, with my friends here, I receive your love for me again. Lord, there's stuff I can know, but it's always in part. There's stuff I can see coming, it's always in part. There's stuff I can even understand about myself and other people, and it's always in part. It slips away and time goes on. I want to make my stand here again today. I receive, not in part, I receive your love whole. Not so I can get somebody else that I know or like or in relationship with or a relative to get them to see it. I receive it. You love me. You love me, Jesus. You love me. I'm okay. I'm okay. You love me. You won't forget me. You won't overlook me. You won't stumble. You won't be ashamed. I am loved completely by you. It won't change. The thing that grows is not your love. It's me growing in your love. I grow. Help me to grow big. Help the roots to go down deep. Help the tree to bear leaves and fruit. I believe. Jesus, I believe. Like, like the man a long time ago, help my unbelief. I believe. I believe in your love. I believe in your salvation. I believe in your kindness. I believe in your goodness. And I receive them all straight from you to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Love on each other as you go.